In this Spider Talks, Robert talks to Andy Lambert of Content Cal. Andy's one of the founding team and director of growth at Content Cal. From starting out as an agency and then launching their software product in 2017, Content Cal is now used by over 40,000 businesses in over 140 countries. In December 2021, Content Cal was acquired by Adobe. Robert and Andy talk about Andy's new book, Social 3.0, how forward-thinking B2Bs can unleash the power of social media. Plus, he gives his insight into the journey of building and selling Content Cal. Hello and welcome to Guider Talks. And today I am delighted to have a return visitor, a return visitor for a very good reason, because people love him. It is the wonderful Mr. Andy Lambert from Content Cal. Hello, Andy. Hello, Rob. How are you doing? I'm absolutely fantastic. And it's it, this is an exciting one, because this is, this is the one that says, Andy's written a book. So come on. Uh, spill the beans. Who's it for? What's it about? Um, go for it. Yeah, I'll keep it nice and short. So um, this is off the back of six plus years of firstly growing an agency, then growing a social media software business of which got sold to Adobe in December. So over those six years, um, quite a lot of experience generated in how B2Bs can market their business, particularly through social. Um, Lots of things that we messed up on the journey and obviously thousands of conversations with people as we were building this business. It became abundantly clear that B2Bs are very much behind the curve compared to their B2C compatriots when it comes to social media in particular. And we know that social media is not going away. It's only becoming even more pervasive given recent growth, another 10% year-on-year growth of social media, the way that it's permeating our lives, influencing our decisions, there's no going back. But for some reason, B2Bs are still fixated on short-term results, can't understand how social media um, impacts, don't understand attribution, get confused between demand creation and demand generation, Um, all of these things we can touch on. But Fundamentally, there are lots of notes that I've taken over six years of which needed to come out of my head into a book. So it all became this book, which is Social 3.0, which is how um, B2Bs can harness the transformative power of social media. That's how we ended up with it. Right. Can I just ask the straightforward question, which people will... The first question, which is, is this just another bloody lead magnet or is it uh, this thing you had to get off your chest or is it educational, or 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 what? what? What what's the purpose behind the book? Yeah, great shout. So definitely not a, a lead magnet because all there's no profits in it either. Because every bit of profit I get from it goes um, to UNICEF's uh, plight in Ukraine. So zero profit. There's no community off the back of it. There is no business. There's no consultancy. Um, I work for Adobe now anyway. So. Um, so ultimately, it's just my experience put down on some paper. And if anyone's like met me over over the years, they'll know that that has been a core tenant of all of our content strategies. Just you, know, you mentioned actually on the um, kind of preamble between this, it's just teach, 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 teach. That's all it's been is just been giving away as much as we know for free and then hoping we get business in return, which has kind of netted out. 
Okay, so, so that answers it. <laughs> great. I, 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 there's nothing I hate more than a lead magnet book. You know, which every fifth page says, "Join the community." QR code. Here's another case study where I was totally amazing and fantastic. You two could have this. You can get a ten percent discount. You know, it's like, it's like if you're going to give stuff away, give stuff away generously to help other people, which I, which I, I love about you. So, yeah. B2Bs aren't very good at social. I can, I can, I can hear people going, oh, <laughs> is he talking about us? I mean, are you just talking about accountants and lawyers and doctors and, well, no, accountants, accountants and lawyers and manufacturing companies and, or are you, are you, are you talking about marketing agencies or digital agencies? Who, who, who are you? Who's in the firing line when you say B2Bs aren't very good at social? Great question. To be honest, it, it kind of runs the whole gamut of any B2B, to be honest. But the lens that I've written it through are predominantly two lenses, just based on my own experience, uh, which is initially us being an agency ourselves. And um, the word is shoemaker's shoes. You know, you'll always find <laughs> the, the shoemaker with the worst quality shoes in the street. Um, and the same applies for um, for agencies and doing their own marketing. There are some notable exceptions, which I, I will touch on. Um, but by and large, marketers care least about their brand than they do for their clients, which, you know, to a degree, there is some inherent rightness in that. But there is inherent challenges in that, too. So, yeah, agencies, usually the, the most guilty culprits for not understanding or at least unleashing their marketing potential on themselves, which as a result is impacting their growth. I also wrote it through the lens of um, product orientated businesses. Of course, Content Cal was a, well, still is a, a software as a service business. Mm -hmm. So naturally, a lot of my experience in growing that has been written through that as a, as a lens. But you could apply the same, you know, it's pretty broad brush across any B2B because the, the always the theory is, is like, B2B is boring, right? And it absolutely doesn't have to be if you approach it with the right degree of creativity, you understand the right framework, yada, yada, which we can, which we can touch on. If, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm just, I'm just thinking about this, this um, accusation that uh, agencies are, are pants at uh at social i mean do you really mean pants or do you just mean not quite as good as b2c yeah uh, i think you might have used that phrase uh rather than myself rob but um but we'll, we'll go with it we'll go with it so <laughs> i think that by by and large i've i haven't seen many agencies other than two notable exceptions and i'd love to be proven otherwise by case studies or whatever um so there is an agency called Refine Labs in the US run by a guy called Chris Walker. That guy gets B2B like no one else. To be honest, he's a, he's a bit of a hero of mine. Um, and unbelievable understanding of social. But it's not actually that complex. It's just he recognizes the transformative power and recognizes that the fact there is a big difference between uh, demand creation versus demand capture and we'll, we'll touch on that in a second it's the second time i mentioned that the other one uh, which close to home in the uk rise at seven brilliant example because 
you know, similar to um, kind of one of your clients that you were describing, Rob, earlier, mm-hmm. Rise at Seven, run by Carrie Rose, very much the inspirational leader of that organization, you know, documenting the journey, which is fine. We all know that from a CEO perspective, it's a kind of employer branding type of stuff. But beyond that, all of the subject matter experts within the organization on SEO, on PPC, on whatever it is, all of them have their own platform. So it's not just like the the CEO show. It's really about raising the um, capabilities across the organization and sharing that as a platform. And as a result, it levitates and gravitates the expertise of the business so that ultimately everything gets fueled around word of mouth. Because fundamentally, you know, they know inherently these these organizations that I've just referenced, these two agencies, they know that people don't care about brands, they care about people, right? It's pretty simple. And, and we always know as agencies, from going back to the days of uh, running our agency, all we want is word of mouth referrals. That's how all agencies are growing, right? Because that's the only way you can generate the requisite level of trust for someone to say, you know what, I want you as a consultant, I want you as a business partner to help us grow our business and I'll give you a, you know, X grand a month retainer. It's all built on trust. The only way to build trust is by representing the humans behind the organization. None of this is rocket science, right? And none of the stuff I say in my book is rocket science. Put some frameworks behind it. But fundamentally, it's just the the missing piece because either fear holds them back, a lack of time, lack of prioritization. But typically what these agencies will then do would be like, all right, our pipeline's looking a bit shallow for, for this quarter or this month. Let's go far up some Facebook ads and some PPC stuff and try and capture some demand that way. Of which we know, and this is the, the kind of elephant in the room of marketing, is that, you know, this is data from the IPA. Um, they state that only 95% of, of a market is not actively looking for a solution at any one time. Only 5% of a market is actively looking for the proposition that you, you sell at any one time. So really, if you're, if you're funneling money into PPC, into you know, Google AdWords, yada, yada, you're missing the other 95% of opportunity. And this is the difference between demand creation and demand capture, is that we fixate as marketers on demand capture. That 5% that might be looking for a new agency, that might be looking for a new software product. And then we fixate around how do we engineer like the right SEO strategy uh, how do we engineer the right PPC strategy, yada, yada. It is important for sure. But like the quote I said to you um, in the preamble as well, Rob, and this is this from Mark Ritson, is that, you know, us as marketers and agencies and a lot of B2Bs are guilty of this, you know, we're spending so much time thinking about the low hanging fruit, we're forgetting to water the tree. And that is where demand creation comes into it. So demand capture, everyone gets loads of tactics for that. But fundamentally, all of those tactics are trying to hit the 5% of a market, the shallow piece of a pie that actually are going and have recognized, oh yeah, I need an agency. Forgetting all the fact of the 95% of those people that are like, hmm, they're struggling with growth, they're struggling with all manners of marketing their business, but they've not yet cognitively realized that they need an agency yet. And that that is where our opportunity is. And that is where trust building, brand building, and all that stuff that I go on to at length in the book is what it's all focused on. Wow, that was a long ramble. Long sentence. It's a very long sentence. But Yeah, sorry. So what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get is I get that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think through for agency 
for agency owners, what, what normally happens is a knock on the door and someone says, hello, I've got £1,000 a month to spend on PPC. Can you help me spend it? And they go, yeah, walk this way. Fantastic. Click. And another one comes along and says, hello, I've got £5,000 a month to spend on PPC or SEO. Can you help me? Yes, I can. Walk this way. Click. And I think agencies have become so used to clients being there or thereabouts uh, that they assume that that's how clients arrive and they they forget all about, in a, in a way, the, the stuff that you've been doing for years at Content Cal, about all those, all those engagement conversations and warming up and getting to know and getting to understand and non-pressure so that people get to know who you are, what you stand for, what you're trying to achieve and so on and so forth. So that when they're ready, they go... Oh, who is that nice that, that nice Andy Lambert guy? I'll, I'll go. I'll go and find out. Find out if they can actually really help me. I'll, he he kept mentioning they had a, a free trial. Blah blah blah. I'll see whether that actually is any good or not. And and what you what one what one's done is you've invested in the relationship so that so that that all is kind of transferred in that instance to the trial. So there's lots of positive investment in the emotional bank account. And and it's like people like us buy from people like us, you know. Oh, <laughs> clap, 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 clap. That's so exactly why, it. And, sorry, carry on. So, so why don't why don't agencies get that? Well, you've you've hit the nail on the head with the point around emotion, and that's that's where we as marketers get get a little bit confused because we forget the mindset of the individuals that we're trying to target and the emotional mindset that they're in is because when we're in demand capture mode, right, that's when marketers are at their best. They're being rational. They're saying our features are better than their features. We do this better than our competitors, yada, yada. You've got a thousand pounds to spend on PPC. Come to us because we'll deliver better results than X, Y, Z. Rational. I get it. You know, and, you know, we do need to have that as part of a strategy for sure. But the, the issue that causes that we, we fixate so much on on the rational elements of our product and service, we forget the reasons that people actually buy products in the, in the first thing. And they buy products based on purely emotional reasons. They, they buy brands based on emotions, how it will make them feel, how it will make them be seen. All of those things are the, the fundamental buying drivers that we go into a lot of detail in the book, right? Because... That's the bit that we forget. And that is the, at the heart of decision-making. Decision-making isn't based on any, any logic, right? We like to think it is, but us as humans are fundamentally flawed characters. We'll make differing decisions based on our moods of a certain time, right? And that's the challenge that marketers face, where we default just to going, all right, I'm gonna run an ad, I'm gonna put some rational messaging in there, hey, presto, we're done. Whereas what we should be thinking about is actually if we have a truly intrinsic understand of the understanding of the audience that we're trying to serve and the problems that they're facing, then we're going to be in a much better place to then build our propositions out from that. And that's why I kind of developed a six step framework, which starts, starts with like the customer persona and the problem statement. And all fixates around this idea of a minimum viable audience, which I didn't make up. This is Seth Godin. And that this is where marketers get things wrong um, more than anything else is that we try and target too broad. 
And the, the great thing about agencies is that you don't need 3,000 customers, 4,000 customers, 10,000 customers like a software business. You need no. 50, maybe, would be a pretty chunky agency. So maybe even 20. So you yeah. can be super focused on the particular niche that you're trying to serve. So as soon as I start to hear businesses that are trying to fit, focus on someone and go, oh, you know, we, we target real estate and then banking and then housing or whatever. I'm just like, it's bullshit because you cannot target all of those people and tell the right story. Because that's what it all the time. If I, right. if I come across another agency that says we work with SMEs, government organizations, charities, B2B, uh, FTSE 500, international corporations, you know, and, and you know, it's like, just no, just, just, we work with David Gilroy's Conscious Solutions. We work with uh, law firms with, with between 25 and 100 desks in the UK. I mean, it's like, woof. And he knows more about them than they do know about themselves, you know? And so are you saying uh, when I choose an accountant, B2B purchase, it's an emotional decision? The fact is, when, when you choose, because you're in the, that's demand capture, right? Because you've already elected to go, I need an accountant, because yeah. for whatever reasons, right? So you are now in a rational frame of mind of decision making, because you have now cognitively said, I need something, I need to solve a pain. So you're now in that 5% of a market that is now looking for accountants. Now, there is another 95% of let's just say agency consultancy firms that don't yet know they need an accountant because I don't know, X, Y, Z reasons. And it's really that we need to focus on more than anything. Cause you know, demand capture, let's, let's be frank about this. And I might be hated for this comment is easy, right? Because it ain't hard to run social ads or Google ads and go, these are my keywords. These are the people I'm trying to target. I'm going to put some budget in. All, it, all the only differentiating factor is the depth of your wallet, right? Yes, there is some creative stuff in there too, a little bit. Not when it comes to Google though. Um, but fundamentally, the bit that's much harder, which is why people don't do it. I told you I'm going to get hated for some of these things. Um, I love you. <laughs> why people don't do it is because it's so much harder to think about the challenges before someone realizes they know they need a solution. And that is brand building, right? That is how we build trust, because if we truly understand who we're trying to serve, let's just say, you know, we're trying to target accountants, you know, size between, you know, 20 to 50 employees, for example, we need to fixate on that beyond anyone else. We need to understand the problems intrinsically. We need to understand the other alternative solutions that they sought to try and solve a pain because we only know the problem and the pain is deep enough if someone's tried to solve something. Going back to like days at Content Cal, we knew we had a product market fit as it's called in software land. When we went to people who have tried to build what we would, we were visioning, on a spreadsheet, right? Tried to build their content calendar and approval flows and all that kind of stuff because they felt the pain so intrinsically that we knew we had a market. And the people that felt the pain so intrinsically were kind of freelance social media managers. That is a small piece of the piece of the pie that we could have targeted. 
but we focused on that because we knew that if we went deep in an audience rather than going wide, we knew we would create much better word of mouth, we would take, tell a better story, which gets more people to tell other people. Big fish, large pond. Big fish, small pond, sorry. Um, and that's the important point because suddenly, through recognition, because we're popping up in so many different communities of freelance social media managers, is that suddenly everyone's like, have you heard of Content Cow? Everyone I know uses them because suddenly you seem quite big because everyone in their sphere of influence begins to use you. That is the power of marketing to the minimum viable audience. Doesn't mean your audience can't change and have different segments and you can't grow it over time. It's about if we fixate on one to begin with, we tell a better story. And the story is the thing that predicates everything that you'll do. I'm going to stop talking there because I will talk for the whole hour. No, so, that's okay. I mean, it's, 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 so, so yeah, so the shoes of cobblers, etc., etc. I get that. But what I don't get, I guess, I mean, just th again, thinking about the agency owners is, you know, these are, these are bright cookies, you know, the people uh, mm, and, sure. and, and I, I get, I get they, they do push back when one of the large platforms says you must buy this from us. But this is actually in their, it's in their own interests. You know, it's like, it's almost like just sit down the MD or the CEO of an agency or, or any other professional service firm and say, look, can you just point out that, 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 you know, this sales obsession that you have, that you call marketing, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me, is actually not working. And, you know, to go back to the Ritson thing, you're not, you're not watering the tree for, for later on. And, and people won't be coming. It, it may work short term, but in the long term, it's it's not sustainable. So whether you're in a, an accounting firm or you make you make six inch pipes or bloody concrete, you know, there's there's still the relationship to be had, you know, and, and everything has a brand. Yeah, I, I love this thing from Malcolm McDonald, who I used to work with at um, at Cranfield always used to say here's here's a cup of engine oil and here's a cup of Castrol GTX it's the same stuff but this stuff costs £10 a litre and this stuff costs £25 a litre because it has Castrol GTX on it no one can tell the difference yeah but the, the, the brand and the impact of the years and years of Castrol being cool Castrol in Formula One Castrol in blah 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 and it's bizarre that people can't see, can't, not, not, not just see, but actually work on the brand and the personality and engagement with people. Uh, and they always just go for the sale. Is it just because sales are more measurable? I mean, that's certainly part of it. Uh, that, that's, that's at the core. And I think it's, there's, there's a cultural thing at play because, you know, the Castrol example is a really good one right because in in consumer world as we said right at the the start of this is that our consumer friends get it right but they also have massive budgets right and typically brand building in in a lot of people's minds is all about massive expense above the line advertising you know ab like sponsoring a formula one car for example right that ain't cheap but Branding is actually so much easier to achieve because really what a brand is, if you strip it down, is trust, right? So all we're trying to do is engineer trust at scale. 
And the best way to do that, right, is going to be through social and elevating the individuals that operate within the business. We go right back to that point again, because fundamentally people buy from people. We get that. We know that. And, and that's how that trust is transferred. And that's how a brand is then built, because a brand, as I said, is just trust, not necessarily a logo. We've always fixated on a logo, but it's just mm -hmm. the fact we trust Patrol because we associate it with, you know, the most winning Formula One driver, something like that. So actually achieving branding scale is much easier now than it ever has been because we have the networks to help us leverage that. So the thing that also, that's the cultural piece, there's also a budgeting piece that holds us back because fundamentally in a lot of organizations, you know, marketing don't really, doesn't really have huge sway. So if there's a marketer with an agency, if the agency's big enough, the marketer very much will be performing probably sales support stuff, stuff that is focused on delivering demand capture, which, you know, like we said before, it's going to be those kind of programmatic ads, that kind of stuff. But the issue then comes into the fact of when marketing just supports sales, it all then fixates on short term results because, you know, sales the nature of sales is to drive short-term results, not results three months from now, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Sales are an important facet of every business, for sure. But the problem is, is then what we're actually doing, we don't have a marketer then, we have a sales support function because they're executing the same thing. They're trying to capture latent demand that already exists. Someone's already searching for an accountant, we're just capturing it, great. So that's not marketing. And the problem is, if you look across, this is data from um, IPA, when you look at the budget, is that in a consumer world, the budget split between brand building versus performance is 60% brand building, 40% performance, right? And in B2B, it's only 17% to brand building. It really doesn't get a look in. And there's, you know, when you think about it from that context, it's it's little surprise that we're scratching around trying to figure out where our next large contract is going to come from because we are not preparing the field to help us deliver sales three, six months down the line, right? We need a balanced approach to, to how we operate. Um, and it doesn't need to be costly, but the problem is, you know, it's about resourcing it effectively. And I would, I'm going to call final point on this is that I'll just call out that Refine Labs and following Chris Walker on LinkedIn, because fundamentally, if more agencies operated like they do, they'll be, you'd be in a so much of a better position um, because his business is all built on word of mouth through his um, content that he's producing just on LinkedIn and TikTok, um, purely on the fact it's just designed to give so much actionable value and at that result, builds trust, yada, yada. We, we all know this, right? We inherit, nothing I say is unknown. Um, it's just about, as is the many the case in many things in life, it's about doing it is really the big difference. Those who are willing to, to commit and actually do it. So, so, I, so I, yeah, I've been working with, an, working with an agency recently and they, and they said, oh, the problem sells, the problem sells, the problem sells. And they came back to me and said, do just figured it out. I don't need a new salesman. In fact, I don't need my salesman. What I need is, is better marketing. This kind of realization that, that, again, the same thing about, about watering the tree, that if your marketing is, 
is sublime, compelling, seductive, beautiful, draws people in, then the sales you know, literally drop out of the bottom of it. But if you're marketing, so you're, you're targeting segmentation, differentiation, your, your whole approach to the market is, is naff, then it's, you're going you're to really struggle selling and you are going to end up with commoditized selling. So it, 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 it really it, it feels that people revert to social almost when selling has stopped working. If that's, if that, if that's, not, a, if that's not a kind of an irony, right? We can't get more sales. We've got to get more sales. We can't get more sales. We've got to get more sales. It's not working. We've got more salespeople. We've got more process. I know what we could do. We could go up, up the funnel we could try talking to people. Um, and so... Yes. So, so your definition of, of social, is that uh, content sharing or is, does that include advertising on, on social channels? What's your... Where, where, where are you kind of drawing your lines? Yeah, any anything that happens on, on social, right? Because I think at some point before, before we close this, I need to share like what I class as the six golden rules of social, which kind of shape like any form of of strategy, I would say. Um, so I need to share that in a, in a second. Um, but I don't draw the line of paid, even though I've kind of talked about paid and talked about programmatic stuff. But it's it goes back into the camp of rethinking um, demand creation versus demand capture is that what we don't want to think about is social paid social is just like, all oh, right, okay, well, we can run our ads here. There's an element of that we should do. You know, we've got a story to tell to the right audience, yada, yada. Of course, there's an element of that because we'd be mad not to capture some latent demand for sure. But we also need to think about social ads from broader brand building activity to give like the content that we've created, whether it's you know, a, a video that we've created describing, you know, the latest trends on a certain subject, your area of expertise. And that is the best thing about agencies is because inherently there is so much expertise within a business that we've got so much good stuff to share that will truly help people get it. And sometimes we, we, we get so scared, especially as consultants and agencies about sharing, oh, this is our good stuff. This is our hard won expertise. I can't share it. The fact is you're marketing to people who don't want to do it themselves, you know, mm. so that our audience don't want to execute it themselves. They need someone to execute it for them. So it doesn't matter whether you give them all the goodness, they ain't going to do it because they don't have the time or the inclination or the desire, whatever. So that's why we should just, we shouldn't care about that. We should give away our expertise willingly to help people understand who we are as an organization, the change we seek to make and truly the, personalities that sit within the business because they will choose your agency based on you know what rob's a really good guy i really recognize and resonate with the stuff that he says i want to do business with him and more than any other business agencies you know because you're a people focused organization like it's just such a no-brainer it's it's ridiculous it's just about how do we then scale it how do we then make sure it gets enough priority in our agency that we resource it because it's not a case of just like throwing a load of money into it we need to hire people that can do this stuff that can create content that do feel natural in front of camera for sure you know we do need to think about that um 
And then we also need, and this is this will help your clients as well, because we need to be talking about a broader mindset shift as well, because not just for our own mindset, but for our clients' mindset. And what I mean is this, is that if we're attracting to, to come to our agency, and let's just say we've got a lead for someone who wants to run like PPC or Facebook ads, I don't know, whatever. Our job as an agency will be, yes, to service a need, but also to get the clients thinking more broadly about the broader impact and the strategy and all of the things that help them create a better business as a result of this. Of course, us as an agency, we want to increase the size of a retainer, but of course, we also want to maximize the success of our client. Of course, what we also want to do, though, we don't want to be, and I've, we've been in this position as an agency, and it's bloody horrible, where you get someone that's so fixated on you know, attribution just through leads, just by going, oh, how many leads do we get today? How many clicks do we get today? And that micro-analysis, there is an yeah. element, of course, we need to deliver returns for sure. But when you educate your client more broadly, you can start to talk about the impact of you know, unprompted awareness, so which is a really important metric to think about. So how is our organic site traffic increasing? Not just through like our SEO stuff, just through people becoming aware of us. What's the share of voice that we're getting relative to our peers? So, and share of voice is something that's criminally underutilized as a metric in most marketing teams. We just fixate on the bottom of the funnel to drive attribution purely because we can't you know, think about, oh, actually there's there's a lot more we can we can impact towards the top of the funnel because the more impact we create at the bottom, the more impact, uh, at the top rather, the more impact we'll create at the bottom. So there's a bit of a mindset shift that goes on here. Um, but that mindset shift is equally applicable to how we'll deal with marketing in our agencies, but also how we should speak to our clients and our prospects as an agency to get them thinking more broadly, because otherwise we'll have another three month contract where, you know, potentially the leads delivered through a certain campaign didn't meet their criteria they fire us and we've got to go find someone else again so we've been there right. I, I, so I, I kind of feel like we should break open a bottle of red wine even though it is the middle of the day and start drinking <laughs> talking about this because it's so great so six six golden rules i have a pen i have paper cool six golden rules shape every strategy because tactics change often, but fundamentally you should think in a first principles methodology. These principles never change. So number one, scaling word of mouth is our ultimate ambition. Irrespective of channel, tactic, whatever, we are trying to build trust at scale. The way to do that is to get as many people talking about you as possible. Your minimum viable audience and working in certain communities where those audience hang out, Facebook groups, Reddit groups, Discord, is your golden ticket to getting people to talk about you. Scaling word of mouth, utterly critical. Point two, collaboration creates opportunity. A criminally underutilized tactic through people on social is that we think as a business, oh, right, we've got our four social channels for our agency. We'll just post the message to those four channels. Forgetting of the fact that content created in collaboration not only creates better content, obviously we're doing something right now, but also means it goes further. So the content that you and I will create here, just at this very simple level, will go on both of our feeds across multiple different channels. We have now multiplied the approach of this particular content. So collaboration creates opportunity. Irrespective of any platform, that is a golden rule. Number three, audience participation is key. So this often holds people back because we don't think deeply about the 
content we're creating. In fact, we just think about the content we're creating as us. And that is my pet peeve for most B2B marketing is that we treat our social channels as we do our email subscribers and we try and subject them to our marketing messages as if they've opted into it. They have not opted into it just by following you. They want some good stuff. So we need to give people a reason to care because fundamentally I can tell you they don't care about you. They care about the next cat video that they're going to see. Um, so give them a reason to care. The, the way you get them to care is by encouraging participation, whether it's through questions, whether it's through polls, or whether it's through using some of the latest functionality that exists on Reels and TikTok, things like duets and remixes, ultimately give people an opportunity to say, uh, to be part of the content experience, right? Encouraging people and your content should really start a conversation or start something. So on to point four, where uh, engagement drives reach. So that is a truism across all of your different social platforms, irrespective of any change that they make. It's all about getting more people to spend more time on the platform. And the way that all of the social platforms define success is about interaction on that content. And of course, if you've nailed the audience participation bit in point three, then ultimately we're going to be driving more engagement. What I say by engagement is likes, clicks, shares, retweets, any form of interaction we see on our content. And sometimes people don't appreciate this as much as they should, in my experience, is that let's say we have 2,000 Facebook followers, under 10% or under 1% of that audience as an average will see your content. So in fact, you know, we're trying to serve 20 or oh, 2,000 followers, it's like it's unlikely we're going to get more than 20, to be honest, just to see our content. Reach is terrible, especially on Facebook. So the best way of engineering additional reach is through engineering more interaction engagement. It's the surefire way to get our content to go further, which then leads nicely into point five, which is reach drives awareness. And it's a, it's a kind of commonly known rule of seven in marketing is that for someone to become cognitively aware of a certain message, they need to have seen it seven times. So increasingly increasing our reach, i.e. making our content go as far and wide as possible is the best way to generate awareness and particularly, as I mentioned this before, unprompted awareness. We want to be the first product that comes to mind or company that comes to mind when someone goes, you know what? I think we're struggling with, with marketing. I think we need some assistance. I want to go to X agency. That's unprompted awareness, purely in the fact that you've engineered your content to get into as many feeds as possible, which when then leads into the sixth and the final point, which we, as marketers need to have on our walls somewhere, and I do as well. And this applies as well for software businesses, which are very guilty of this. In most people's eyes, the best product, best product is the one they know. So people, when they make decisions, they don't compare a list of a hundred different agencies. They go to the ones that they know or have been recommended. They don't necessarily, they would like to have the best, but as far as they're concerned, the best is the one that they know. So that is a really important thing to think about because it's not always about feature comparison. It's not always about rational differences of us versus our competitors. Fundamentally, it's that emotional connection again because the uh, common term around this, and I was reading a really interesting book on this. The person who came up with this term uh, won a Nobel Prize and it is the term of satisficing. The way that humans make decisions, we satisfy, which is a portmanteau of, of 
you know, sacrifice and satisfy. Because we don't make, we don't look at all of the options because we've got too many things to do and we quite frankly as humans can't be bothered. So we'll actually just look at the smallest possible uh, batch and then we'll go, well, let's ask my friend. So Rob, what do you reckon about this agency? If he goes, oh yeah, I've heard of them too. Doesn't, doesn't it matter if you know if they're good or not. You'll go, I've heard of them. Bing, trust, box ticked, I'm going to go with them. And that is how we make decisions. Um, and the more we understand that, uh, the better we can think about marketing and social media unlocks all of this potential within those six golden rules. And if we think about those six golden rules, it doesn't matter about our tactics. It doesn't matter that there's been a new feature rolled out to TikTok or TikTok or Instagram killed Instagram TV. All of those tactics are going to change often, but we stick by those first principles. Hopefully that made sense. Absolutely love it. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's just turning it up, up. It's kind of turning it a bit upside down, if that makes sense. But but this is this is my so Theodore Levitt. <laughs> Bear with me. 1961, 1961, Harvard Business Review said, you know, it's not about the tactics. And you go, oh, of course, it's not about the tactics. It's about the strategy. And he goes, it's not about the strategy. And you go, it's not about the strategy. Not about the tactics. Well. Obviously, this man comes from a different different world. And he says, no, it's about the customer. It's just about the bloody customer. And it's like so blindingly obvious. And I, and I think that we've just been um, conned. We've been mesmerized. We've been blinded by the light of tactics of, oh, look, it's down to five seconds. Oh, look, you can have an audio chat room. This will take off. This is the new. This is the best. That we've actually forgotten about the, the fundamentals, which is, that that piece of engagement with that real person, whether they run a B two, whether a you know business or a consumer, and how we actually interact with them. Now, I get that if you're buying a pair of scissors, you just go to Amazon and you buy the cheapest pair of scissors. That's not there's not a lot of engagement going on there. But for other stuff, it's quite personal, and it is you know I want. I really want to like my accountant. I really want to like my lawyer. And I, if I'm going to give someone some money, I want to make sure that, that it's a good experience. Um, amazing. Amazing. I am, my, my jaw is sort of wondering what, what to say next. I think that's absolutely spot on. And uh, suddenly you see everywhere that people aren't doing what you're, what you're saying. You're not, they're not actually following it through. So we've got two agencies to look at one in the states one in the uk which i think everyone's going to do um i love the fact that the proceeds go to unicef charity after my own heart i think that's really brilliant um final thoughts from you andy because we've covered oodles in 45 minutes absolutely oodles mm -hmm. but i guess one way of of um putting the wrapper around it is you know what what are the, the top two or three nuggets that you want to make sure are embedded in people's heads as a result of this um, this conversation um first nugget is well it's not really a nugget it's make sure your leadership team if you're a leader of a business you're you're in charge of this but if you're not a leader of business try and help your leadership team understand the importance of this show them all the the data from uh from ipa from you know, from all of the studies within within the book, of which I think it's only two ninety nine, of which two quid goes to 
UNICEF anyway, so on the Kindle version anyway. So it's, it's cheap as chips, so super accessible. Because um, I kept on saying like, oh, buy the book. Like, like it's, it's buttons. So um, anyway, but make sure your leadership team truly appreciate this because then they can get behind it so that you can start thinking that of, of marketing is not a lead generation engine. Demand capture versus demand creation, very different things. Please, please think about that. Uh, please think about your minimum viable audience and the story you need to tell. And we didn't speak about storytelling much, but your story predicates everything. Your story is how you talk and to your target audience, which absolutely needs to be crystal clear around the change you seek to make. Who do you serve? What do you do for them? Super clear. Um, so ask yourself some very detailed questions around that and be hyper-focused. The more focused you are around that customer bit, then you can operate in a really customer oriented model and you nailed it anyway um, with what you just said uh, about we, we start everything starts and ends with a customer we overcomplicate everything in marketing because along the way people have made a lot of money by selling marketing strategy books social unlocks this removes so much complexity by going here's who i seek to serve I'm going to represent the personalities of our business so we can build trust like we used to in person and go, oh, I like that person. I'm going to work with them. And we just encourage that at scale. That's it. Job, job. Absolutely amazing. 45 minutes. It's a wrap. Thank you, Andy, so much. Everyone should go out and get the book. Cheapest chips, as you say. Not even a pint of beer. Not even a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Um, and... Uh, as always, it's been uh, a bit like you're a bit like the BBC. Not only do you entertain, but you educate and you inform. So uh, that's been a really provocative conversation, especially as we're looking at our our brand and our strategy. Literally, I literally was was writing stuff about our brand proposition, our customer value proposition, literally just before we came on the call. So it's been brilliant. Thank you, Andy, very much for being a real star. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rob.